0: You're listening to Transforming the World for Girls, a three-part ODI series exploring the lives of adolescent girls in developing countries. In these podcasts, we travel between Nepal, Uganda, Ethiopia, and Vietnam, interviewing not only the field researchers who produced the four years of work behind this series, but the girls and women in these regions. By exploring the gender norms that affect adolescent girls, we can learn how to transform their futures. Hi.
1: This is Aisha, and here is my story.
0: Episode 1. This episode is all about how gender norms change. We are going to try and understand how norms change over time.
2: Gender norms, many of them come from long-standing cultural ideas, religious ideas, and they can be very much affected by change in the broader society as well.
0: We'll have a look at some of the progress that women and girls have made in the UK during Dr Caroline Harper's lifetime.
3: Even though change seems impossible, it does happen, and it is happening. And I think that's the way in which we can remain optimistic is that change happens all the time, and people are always pushing at the boundaries. And whilst there are very strong forces trying to keep people in their place, there are equally strong counterforces by people who are inevitably creative and opportunistic and trying to make change happen.
0: And we take a trip to the hills of Geta in Nepal, ...to hear the stories of a mother, grandmother and daughter who live there... ...as they show how norms around child marriage have changed through the generations.
1: I wish I had gone to school. I really value education. With an education, I might have been able to get a job, earn a living and be independent.
0: But first, our big question is, what are gender norms and how are they changing? Seem at all appreciative.
4: Have you any idea how many meals I've and cooked in 18 years of marriage. marriage? Now, why you we we have, have you have got a, a good you start? start. Oh. Shall we
1: hide
0: it? So let's take a look at the term gender norm and what it means. The term norm can simply mean what most people do in a particular situation. For example, you could say that most people cover their mouths if they sneeze. Most people don't dump their rubbish on the street because they know it could attract vermin. Most people wear seatbelts to stay safe. But behavioural norms like this are different from norms which are gendered and reflect power relations between the sexes, for example child marriage or female genital mutilation or cutting. Gender norms are social norms that are specifically related to gender differences. Expecting and
3: tolerating boys being active in class and girls being silent is is a gendered norm.
5: It's women as well as men that perpetrate these norms, and I think that's really important. You know, they're so deeply entrenched in us that often we don't even know that we're doing them. Or accepting that it's fine to pay men
3: more than women for the same work is a gendered norm.
2: I think of them as a sort of set of expectations or ideas about how each gender should look, how each gender should behave, how each gender should perform. The sets of beliefs that people in a society share about what's appropriate behaviour around gender issues, you know, how how men and women and boys and girls should behave. Many of them come from long-standing cultural ideas, religious ideas, and they can be very much affected by change in the broader society as well.
0: Norms are the known informal rules which people abide by, held in place by behaviours, attitudes and practices and bound into the values people and societies accept and reproduce through their actions. The world of gender norms is complex and intricate. Psychology, economics, anthropology, behavioural sciences and sociology are all integral to gaining an insight into it. Our research and this podcast series draws on all of these bodies of thinking. Taking a look at the United Kingdom and its history of women and girls' rights will help us understand this a little better. So let's go back in time with Caroline Harper. Oh,
3: that's lovely. When did you learn that one? Why brown brownies? 150 years ago, there were only 13 secondary schools for girls, women had no access to higher education, they had no vote, and on marriage, women were the legal property of their husbands. And just over 100 years later, I was a 10-year-old, and women were still refused mortgages in their own right, and had to find a male guarantor to borrow money. And in my lifetime, a lot of things have changed. So I was 18 before the first rape crisis centre opened in London. I was 26 and I was working when the Equal Pay Act allowed women to be paid the same as men for work of equal worth. And I was already married before married women were taxed separately from their husbands. So change happens, we're in the midst of it. It doesn't happen fast and I think we must remember that. Um, But they change all
0: the time. Caroline Harper leads the programme on gender and inclusion at ODI. She is an anthropologist with more than 30 years' experience of living and working in different social and political contexts. She is an expert on adolescence and gender norm change.
3: Girls are very political, you know, controlling their sexuality. Reproductive potential is really valuable to families, and men control that. And so anything that you do on sexuality and you know, girls
0: is really political.
3: It's really, and for girls to take action is a political act.
0: If girls' empowerment is so beneficial, why is it so difficult to make these changes? Women often don't understand how much men benefit from existing gender norms, and both sexes can see these inequalities as natural and so are not open to change. Others do see the benefits and want to maintain control and have an interest in upholding existing norms. Gender norms can help maintain inequalities, especially when it comes to resources and power. Adult men benefit the most, but adolescent boys also have a stake in norms that deal them a better hand in life than girls. More power when they are young, more freedom, better access to resources, and a promise of substantially more power and opportunities in their future as adults.
1: God created us differently the men and the women that's why culture also treats us differently can I call my daughter to help to slaughter the chicken when God blessed me with all these sons God would curse me if I did
0: In Uganda we heard this perspective echoed by the people we spoke to during our research So men and boys need to also be
3: supportive of change and this is this is an area of some tension as you might imagine in uganda we we met communities where men would talk about empty trousers where they felt that the attention being paid to girls and to women to women's rights basically rendered men without a a role and that even you know in some cases it was described that men um, abdicated their responsibility for the family because they felt they were no longer needed but gender equality is about men and it's about women. It's about allowing women to have power over themselves. And women don't want power over men, they want power over themselves. And I think that's that's a very important distinction.
2: There is a sense in some communities and countries as a whole that the combination of government emphasis on gender equality and then local level activities Is kind of upsetting the social order that it's promoting things that are not right, that are not part of local culture.
0: Rachel Marcus is a freelance social development researcher focused on gender, childhood, youth and adolescence. Rachel has been leading ODI's work on communications and gender norm change.
2: Our Uganda team found strong backlash around the government-promoted gender equality and child rights agenda. Um, you know, people were both supportive and and a bit sort of concerned about where will this all lead at the same time. And is you know is this taking society in a direction we don't want it to go? You know, how can a, a man cook or wash clothes if he has a wife and daughters? You know, how can a woman build a house if um, she's got a husband or sons? Um, you know, this is just going against the natural order of things to try to change this sort of thing. You know, men are the decision makers, and you know the government is wrong to be coming along and saying that women should be having an equal voice in in decision making as well
0: the challenge is trying to get men to see that they are also subject to norms that cause stress and that they can benefit from equality more time spent nurturing children sharing responsibilities and joint decision making and that this can be beneficial to families as a whole men women and children
5: for me it's absolutely key that we involve men and boys in the discussions in the trainings in the practice
0: Nikki Van de Garg is the director of gender justice and women's rights at Oxfam Great Britain. An experienced writer on development issues, Nikki recently co-authored the first State of the World's Fathers report, looking at men's contributions to parenting and caregiving.
5: We were trying to look at fatherhood as a way into men thinking about what does it mean to be a man? And the evidence is that that can either further entrench men into the kind of gender norms that we we feel are not helpful for women and not helpful for men as well or it could be a real opportunity to think about what it means to be a man rather differently
4: recently i've started thinking what does it mean to be a man you see the world has changed a lot in the past 20 years but if we hope to achieve equality it's going to have to change a lot more
0: this is a clip from a film by promundo a global leader in promoting gender justice. Promundo believes that working with men and boys, alongside women and girls, to transform harmful gender norms and unequal power dynamics is critical to achieve gender equality.
4: Let me tell you about Nicholas. His wife was pregnant when I met him. He said babies were women's work. He didn't need to get involved.
0: As part of its mission, Promundo promotes men's caregiving and active fatherhood to encourage equitable gender roles, prevent violence against women and children, and contribute to positive maternal and child health outcomes.
4: When a health worker persuaded Nicholas to come along to prenatal classes at the hospital, he started getting more involved in the pregnancy. And then, after asking his company, he found out they offer paid paternity leave so he could spend more time with the baby at home. Turns out, he really enjoys being a dad. Instead of hanging out on the street or in the bar, he spends most evenings playing with his daughter so his wife can study.
0: Moments like this can be pivotal, where norms can either harden when men seek to be protective of their children or pass down traditional roles, or men can realize the potential for their daughter's futures in a different world. Engaging with men at this time provides real opportunity for positive change. Things that we saw quite often was that girls
3: who were um, doing something different from the norm um, and happily doing something different from the norm were often supported by men, some male role models um, in their families. So their fathers, uh, sometimes their brothers or uncles, were actually supportive of their education. And sometimes it was also husbands who would see their wives as equal partners and there were some very nice stories from some women um, who felt that they had um, done well in life because their husbands had seen them as an equal partner and that they had encouraged them to go on with further education or to work or to become a teacher um, and that it was that sort of equal partnership or support from, from the men in their households that allowed them to do something different. And, you know, working with men and boys is very
0: important in sustainable change for adolescent girls. So what have our researchers seen of men's positive influence on the empowerment of girls?
2: So gendered social norm change is happening when people start to think differently about how men and women and boys and girls in a society should behave and, you know, what, constitutes a good man, a woman or a boy or a girl, what are good ways of living, what they should be aspiring to. And in our research, we've definitely found change in particular around education, I would say. You know, in the past, education was seen as not that important for girls, perhaps a luxury for the very able few, or just totally unaffordable or totally unnecessary, really, because after all, they were just going to get married and they didn't really need education. I think that's really changed significantly in the last 15 years or so. There's been a massive investment in education worldwide in those years with a lot more expansion of secondary schooling and so in Nepal and Vietnam in particular and, and Ethiopia to some extent less so less so in Uganda but even there there's change too you know we've seen many more girls going to and staying in school and a change in attitudes about that you know it, that's sort of become the new normal
0: we'll explore more about education and gender norms in episode 3 of this series We are now heading into the second part of episode one, Change Happens. We've heard that people can be resistant to change, but change is happening, with a positive impact. Caroline Harper helps explain. So is
3: positive change actually happening? I would say absolutely yes. Um, I mean, if we look at some areas we can see a lot of positive change. So access to contraception has improved enormously. There's still a long way to go, but that has undoubtedly um, been an improvement. Obviously, um, schooling and uh, certainly primary and increasingly secondary schooling for girls. Uh, we can see a lot of positive change. Um, adolescent childbearing has also dropped uh, significantly, um, both in developed and in developing
0: countries. Even in countries where these shifts are happening slowly, positive changes are starting to emerge. Ethiopian researcher Bekele Tefera tells us
4: more. Yes, social norms are, are changing.
0: Bekele Tefera is an Ethiopian researcher who runs his own consultancy, focusing on social and reproductive health issues affecting children and adolescents. Parents are, are afraid to force their children into into uh, an early marriage. We have now a law which is being uh, enforced It's criminal to force a girl into marriage before she is, she is 80. So at least you know, the, there
4: is this you know narrative, this, this you know the, the discussion.
0: One of the ways ODI explored how gender norms are changing was through interviews with three generations of women in one family, daughters, mothers, and grandmothers, this really brought to life the differences over time in roles and behaviours of women. 18-year-old Dipali lives in Getta, a town in the far west of Nepal. Three generations of women in her family sit outside their concrete house in the hills to talk about child marriage. Dipali's grandmother, Kumari, sits in the middle between her child and grandchild and describes how she got married at eight years old to a man of 60 and became his third wife. Kumari's daughter was married at 10 to a man of 12 and is his only wife while Dipali is 18 and unmarried and is still in education her mother told
1: us I wish I had gone to school I really value education with an education I might have been able to get a job earn a living and be independent my daughter is already 18 so it's time for her to get married as soon as possible However, she should finish her school first and then get married. She should get married at no later than 20 years old. She will have to get married because I can't afford any more education.
3: So it can be very challenging for our researchers to see ways out of what can be very depressing situations for adolescent girls. Uh, they're in remote rural communities where nothing seems to change. What was quite interesting about taking a slightly longer view was putting grandmothers together with granddaughters. And these are communities where really it seems that nothing is going to change. There's no opportunities, there's no roads, there's barely education, um, and the girls themselves have very limited aspirations. But you put the grandparents together with
0: the, the granddaughter And you find that things have changed. In just three generations, the social norms that Dipali is growing up with are dramatically different to her mother's and her grandmother's.
1: In our research report, but as well as in the videos that we took, we have done like intergenerational comparison where we compared the daughter, the mother and her grandmother.
0: Dr. Anita Gamir is a Nepali researcher focusing on social norms relating to gender and adolescence
1: like how it has changed for example in the mother's generation if a woman goes to school she would run the risk of being called a witch and then being kind of punished by the society the mother might have gone to grade one or two because um, after that she might have had to look after her siblings or because the family only wanted to educate the brother whereas her daughter like the next generation she's going to school and she has done her school leaving certificate so we we see a lot of those examples.
0: So are similar things happening elsewhere? Dr Nicola Jones is a senior researcher at ODI. She is also the Director of Gender and Adolescence Global Evidence, a nine-year research programme exploring what works to support adolescent girls reach their full potential.
2: In Ethiopia, for example, in the last decade, you've seen a a dramatic increase in girls going to school from about 10 or 20 percent 10, 15 years ago now to about 80 percent of or you know, upwards of eighty percent of, of girls getting a primary education, and that's the same in Vietnam amongst the Hmong community. So lots of really positive change, and I think that's because of, you see some shifts in social norms related to the importance of girls' education and not getting married at eight or nine. I think you, the very young marriages, eight, nine, ten, that you might have seen in Ethiopia in particular in the past, are very um, limited now. It's a very small minority. Instead, you tend to see girls getting married more at the sort of the fourteen
0: plus age group. So although we have found positive shifts occurring, we can also see that there is a great need for more change. But why are norms so difficult to change? For a fuller picture, look a little deeper into how these norms operate. Caroline Harper explains that accepted social relationships can come to be fixed in religious or moral worldviews. So if we want to change the way people are treated, we have to understand there is a strong ideology holding that norm in place, which may not be easy to shift.
3: Social structures are actually represented in religion and ideology, and then those religious institutions reinforce the social structures.
0: So there are strict rules about what girls can and can't do, relating to their social and sexual relationships, whether they are allowed to go to school or not, and what types of work they can do inside and outside the house.
3: Recognising norms helps us to understand that change won't happen just by changing your own ideas and perceptions of what is normal. Ideas have to shift across many parts of society and many different groups. So it helps us to see that pushing for change can be dangerous for girls. It becomes an act against a very powerful status quo.
0: Many girls have very little say in how they live their lives, and they are kept in their place by these norms or rules, enforced by their families, communities, by their places of worship, their schools, and by commonly held perceptions of what is right or wrong. So while these rules are strong, they also do change. However, change is unpredictable, and not one way. Our research found paradoxical change in many places. We found
3: girls' age of marriage both increasing among some because of educational opportunities, but at the same time, in other groups, the age of marriage was decreasing,
0: and that was put down to a perceived loosening of moral norms. How norms operate is clearly complex, and understanding how and where they are embedded in a particular society helps us to see both the dangers and the opportunities to improve conditions for girls. So in this episode, we've touched upon what gender norms are, and the fact that in some cases, they are changing. We have explained that norms are embedded in attitudes and actions at an individual, community and societal level. But change is not easy, and it comes with many challenges. Shifting gender norms means changing power relations and renegotiating what is normal for men and boys and women and girls. However, we have seen that positive shifts do happen and have been happening in the communities we've been working in. Tune in to our next episode, where we explore attempts to transform gender norms. What happens when progress in gender equality sparks a backlash that actually hardens discrimination? Or when political apathy acts as a roadblock to change? Join us in the next episode to find out. This podcast series is just a snapshot of over four years of research on this topic. For more of our research on gender, adolescent girls and social norms, visit odi.org worldforgirls.